Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning, it's Pastor Julie, and we are here in the fifth Sunday of Lent, and we are reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing now, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet. But is entirely clean. But you are clean, though not all of you. For this reason, for he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. After four postponements due to the pandemic, I finally got to go on my cruise the first week in February. Not everyone likes cruises, but I do. I like that I have everything I need all in one place, that I can decide to sleep in or get up early, that I can find something to eat every minute of the day and night, and that there is always something to do. But most of all, there is a crew of people happy to serve my every wish. Well, most of my wishes anyway. I like having someone else make my bed for a change. It makes me feel special, important even, to have people around me who want to make sure I'm having a good time on my vacation even if I am paying for that attention. The crews of those ships are trained in extreme hospitality, and it shows. I want you to think of a time when you were given the best service ever, when you were the recipient of extreme hospitality. How did that make you feel? For some of us, it will feel great, but for others, it will be more like Peter here, very uncomfortable. Some of us, I believe, would rather serve than be served. Am I right? Well, that's human nature. 
In our fifth week of looking at spiritual disciplines, we turn to another outward discipline, the discipline of service. And as I said last week, an outward discipline is a practice that deepens our connection to God by engaging others in some way. And what can engage others better than serving them? Now, I believe that 99.9% of human beings understand that serving others, caring for their needs, or just plain good old-fashioned hospitality is a good thing. But why? What is it about service Jesus wants us to understand? And how does service draw us closer to God or deepen our faith? What does service have to teach us about God, about others, and even about ourselves? All good questions. Let's see what Jesus has to teach us about the spiritual discipline of service. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Most of us are familiar with this scene from the Gospel of John. Although it is not quite the same scene we find in the other three Gospels regarding the Last Supper, it is very clear that this is Jesus' last real interaction with his disciples before his arrest, trial, and subsequent death. He has this one final moment to teach them and us what I believe is his most important lesson. And any commentary on this time in history will tell you that when someone entered someone else's house, especially for a meal, the host would be required to offer water to wash their guests' feet. Roads were dusty. Most people walked, and their feet got dirty. It was just good hospitality, good manners, to allow your guests to feel clean and refreshed. And most of the time, people cleaned their own feet. But if the host or guest was important enough, they would have servants do it, kind of like the butlers and maids of proper high society today. Now, who is the most important person in the room that night? Well, Jesus, of course. But he quickly has sets aside his status of teacher, of rabbi, of God in the room, and becomes a servant. He takes off his robe, the symbol of his status, ties a towel around his waist, much as a servant would do, and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, we really don't know in what order that happened or the reaction of the other 11 disciples, but we do know what happened when he got to Peter. Good old Peter, who always speaks his mind no matter what is rattling around in there, is obviously uncomfortable with this switch of position. You can't wash my feet, Jesus. I should be washing yours. This isn't right. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. I used to work in healthcare, as most of you know, and I helped take care of people who couldn't care for themselves because they were in the hospital. It was very rewarding. I liked helping people feel better. But when I found myself as the one lying in the hospital bed, needing help from the very people I worked with day after day, it was really uncomfortable. I was used to being the helper. Being the one who needed help was hard. It was a blow to my pride and my identity as someone who was self-sufficient. It was very humbling. Now, maybe you've been in a similar situation or maybe you needed help paying a bill or needed food for the first time. Needing others to help you with something you think you should be able to do on your own can be very humbling and hard. I'm sure Peter was experiencing all these emotions and more as Jesus came to him and knelt at his feet. 
I think we can understand his reaction. But I want to propose that this is exactly what Jesus wanted him to feel. Many times when Jesus encountered the Jewish leadership, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, he often said things designed to help them remember that they were no better than anyone else. He called them out for needing to sit in the most important seats, for praying so long and loud that they would be heard and commended by all, for separating themselves from those they decided were unclean or sinners as though they were somehow holier than thou. Pride is a fierce temptation, and when you think about it, is the foundation for all sin. Pride is believing, acting, or behaving as though we are somehow higher, more important, or better than someone else. The first sin came into the world because Eve and Adam wanted to be elevated to the same level as God. That was pride. When we lie, cheat, and steal, We are placing our own welfare and desires over someone else's. That's a form of pride. Pride's greatest tool is judgment, is the foundation of all prejudice, and usually leads to a separation between human beings in some way. That's where we get notions of racial superiority, gender disparities, preconceived notions of higher intelligence or abilities, cultural assumptions, group labels, and a we versus them attitude. Pride is subversive and harmful and keeps us from loving God and our neighbor. Pride actually keeps our faith shallow and small, disconnects us from God, working from the inside out to destroy our relationships and cause division in the world. So what is the remedy for this divisive sin, this high and mighty attitude? Humility. Humility, by definition, is freedom from pride or arrogance, a modest opinion of one's own worth or importance. Or, in other words, knowing who we really are in relation to God and to other human beings. And how do we cultivate that humility? Through service to others and service to God, getting our hands dirty, as it were, reaching out and serving. Now, Jesus has a lot to say about humility and serving others throughout his ministry. In Matthew 7, 12, he lifts up what we call the golden rule about doing to others as you would have them do to you. And in Mark, 30, in Mark 9, 33 to 35, he tells his disciples who are arguing about who will be the greatest that the greatest among them will be the servant of all. In Luke 9, 46 to 48, he tells them that true greatness comes from welcoming a little child. For the least among you is the greatest. So in other words, only those who are able to see all people, no matter their age, status, gender, way of life, background, past mistakes, or any other marker, as not only equal, but as deserving and worthy of extreme hospitality and goodwill, showing true humility in their thoughts, words, and deeds will be worthy to be called his disciples. And Jesus doesn't just talk about humility and cultivating that humility by service to others. He models it for us throughout his ministry. And this moment in Christ's last evening with his disciples, he takes the time to teach them this most important lesson. He teaches them 
to serve. And just a few days before, Mary had come and washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. An extreme act of love and service. And now Jesus uses this same act to display his love for them. Verse 1 reminds us that Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. To serve someone else, especially someone the world says is less than or unworthy, is the greatest act of love other than dying for them. Interestingly enough, the same word in the Greek used for the act of removing his robe, his symbol of higher status among them, is the same word used by Jesus when he speaks of laying down his life. See, for Jesus, to serve someone is to lay down or set aside their life for them. We know that his last act on earth was to serve all humanity by actually laying down his life, the supreme act of love. And in that act, he was stripped of his clothes, beaten, paraded through town, laughed at, mocked, nailed to a cross, and lifted high up for people to be able to watch as he died a slow, painful death. Laying aside his robe to wash some feet, although extreme to his disciples at the time, was a way to show what it means to love them to the end, to serve others, and lay aside our lives to be the greatest and first in the kingdom of God. As he leaves them and us with a command to do to one another as he has done for them, serve one another, love one another. They will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we know by his example that serving others in the name of love, God's love for each and every one of us is how we show that love. In Matthew 25, known as the judgment of the nations, our final destination is tied to how we served those in need, how we welcomed and showed hospitality, how we cared for those around us. When you gave those in need food, water, gave them clothes, visited them when they were sick and in prison, you were following my command and serving me. You are truly my disciples, and it showed in how you served. See, Paul reminds us that we are all sinners in need of grace, that there is no one who has not sinned. This is Christ's benchmark. No one is worthy of God's grace, yet Jesus made a way for everyone to receive that grace and to have their sins washed away like the dirt on Peter's feet. But what does serving really do? When we serve others, we show them that they are not alone. We don't serve from behind a screen. We look someone else in the eye. And through our service, we let them know that we care about them, that we believe they have value and are worthy of our acts of service. When we serve, no matter how small that act of kindness may seem, we share the greatest gift, the gift of love. 
And it can also be a reminder for each of us who serve that we do have something to offer, something to give. Even if we believe we can't do anything great, we can, as Mother Teresa said, do small things with great love. Love one another. That's what Jesus tells us to do. He doesn't ask us to do great things, but he does tell us that any act of love is great in his kingdom. And these are the treasures we will have stored in heaven that will give us a share with Christ, connect us more deeply to the heart of God and to our fellow human beings as we serve. Serving others helps us see the world with new eyes and equips us to love the whole world, laying down our lives for others, just as Jesus did. And that may mean standing up for social justice issues like systemic racism or gender inequality, injustice of all forms. It may mean holding up Christian values and virtues like integrity, telling the truth in all situations, living out our faith as Christ commands. But more often than not, It is the act of service itself that really connects us to the heart and mission of Christ. When we do something for someone else, share what we have, provide for their needs, serve on a mission trip or other hands-on ministry, we help others feel and know that they are loved and beloved by God. It connects us to one another and opens the door to building a relationship based on the love of Christ. Serving someone else helps keep us humble by reminding us that we are not the center of the universe, that God's people are everywhere, and that we may have more in common than we might believe. Living a life of service to others helps us keep life in perspective, knowing where our true joy comes from. Because when we serve, God's love is pouring out of us into others. It can help us find our purpose, our hope for the future. God came to earth and served us, showing us the way to be united as one with the same heart and mind of love, love for God and love for one another. But there's another aspect of serving that we don't usually talk about too much, and that is how to receive the service of others. Most of us, in that prideful way we have, want to be the giver all the time, the one who serves someone else. We love how that makes us feel. As someone important who has something someone else needs or wants, and we have the power and ability to give it. Now, while serving someone who might not be your favorite person, or you might have some sort of issue with, like someone who has committed a terrible crime, can be a challenge, going against our human condition to serve in that situation takes humility and a large amount of grace. Yet the most humbling situation of all can be when we are the ones in need or on the receiving end of that service, that act of love. When was the last time you let that happen? I hear so often from people who have such big hearts and give so much, yet when they are in need, what I hear is, Pastor, I don't want anyone's help. I'll get through this. I'm okay. 
Yet Peter, in all his discomfort, first refusing to be washed, shows us that being served is part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. After all, who will his disciples serve if everyone is only serving and no one is willing to be served? See, we learn so much about ourselves, about God, and about others when we serve, but we learn so much more when we allow ourselves to be served. Christ tells Peter that without being served, we have no share in him. And how true that is. Christ washed us through his blood on the cross. That blood was shed out of his great love for us, but it was also out of his love for each and every other person in the world, past, present, and future. You. He died for you. So allow yourself to receive that amazing gift. Like Jesus washing your feet in his blood. Receive the gift of salvation. And every time we allow someone to serve us in his name, we receive that love all over again. Serving and being served helps us understand what it means to be in need and what it means to receive grace, to be loved. We can't find true humility, true joy, unless we have both in our lives. When we as the people of God both serve and are able to receive being served, we will find the true treasures of heaven. I know that in my life, although it can still be uncomfortable, I love to serve, but am happy to allow others the joy of serving me when I am in need. Knowing the joy I feel at being able to provide for someone else, it took me a long time <clears throat> to realize that I was depriving others of the, that same joy if I refused to let others help or serve me. This is what Christ wants us to know. Serve and be served. Gratitude and humility. Out of my gratitude for what Jesus has done for me, I am able to follow his example and serve in his name. It keeps me humble as I look in the face of another human being served by Christ, loved to the end, just like me, just like you. And it's the same when I am being served. I am looking in the eyes of Jesus himself serving me. And it's humbling. So now I want you to find someone to serve this week. Take the time to find a mission or ministry and sign up. Sign up to go on the Redbird mission trip. Join our mission team where there are so many ways to serve right here in our community. You can serve right here in worship, just greeting people with that extreme hospitality as they come through the door, letting them know that they deserve to be welcomed, to be served, to be loved. Serve in our Sunday school. Serve in our youth ministry. Serve one another. But if you have a need, 
something you truly need. Serve us by letting us serve you. Serve and be served. Love and be loved. It takes both to have that share in Christ. Let us gather at the table of grace this morning and be reminded that Christ serves us so that we can go into the world and serve. Amen.